This morning, as we are gathered together, we are going to look at Luke chapter 2. We've been looking at Luke and his proclamation of the gospel message, of his proclamation of Jesus over the month of December. And so this morning, we are going to look at the proclamation from the angels to the shepherds. And this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and I will read through verse 20. And the word of the Lord says this, Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. In verse 21, at, that, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And so in this passage, there's really this contrast as the angels show up. There's this contrast between great fear and great joy. And we see that contrast listed. They, the shepherds were filled with great fear, but then the angels proclaimed, no, this is good news of great joy. And so this morning, as we look at this passage, that's really my prayer for us, that we would understand really the full range of these responses, great fear and great joy. And the shepherds, they, they respond in the right way when Jesus when the message of Jesus shows up, the angels show up, it says the glory of the Lord shone around them. And great fear is really the proper response in that instance. We can read throughout the Bible, we see whenever God shows up or his glory appears, in that moment there's the immediate piercing understanding that people are not worthy of God to be in his presence. And so people... They fall down on their faces. They, they understand their own faults. And they, they recognize, woe is me, as Isaiah said. I am undone. I've seen the Lord. And really, that's our response, too. That should be our response to the glory of God. We're, we're sometimes good at hiding our faults from other people. 
we're sometimes good at hiding our faults from ourselves even and tricking ourselves into thinking, oh, it's not that bad or it's not a big deal. But when God shows up with, as Revelation says, with eyes like a flame of fire, then we can't hide anything and we are immediately knowing of our unworthiness. And so the shepherds have great fear. That's the response we need to have, really, when we think about the glory of God and the goodness of Him. And really, that's the setting for the good news, right? The angels come, they proclaim good news, but it's on the backdrop of this terror, of this fright, of this darkness. And that's really what makes the good news shine so much more to the shepherds and really to us. Uh, you can think about it this way. I don't know if you have family Christmas traditions. Uh, Christmas doesn't fall on a Sunday very often. I think it's going to be 11 years the next time before it's on a Sunday. And so maybe church on Sunday throws off some of those Christmas traditions. But my family, uh, maybe not intentionally, but we seem to go see Christmas lights every year. And just in God's providence, we end up in Tulsa sometime between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And we loved lights in Tulsa. It's where we're from. There's a lot of good Christmas light displays. And so we usually end up and go to see the Christmas lights. But one of the things about seeing the Christmas lights is no one goes to see them during the daytime. Like, if you drive by the park, I mean, there are probably people walking through the park here in Salford during the day. But they're not going there to observe the beautiful Christmas lights. They're not walking down the street to see the houses decorated with the Christmas lights because it's just really not that impressive during the daytime. You see all the wires, you see the, the hooks and everything. People go and they see them at night because of the contrast. When it's dark, you get to see the beauty of the lights and that's, that's part of the magic of it, right? Uh, especially now when it's kind of cold, you bundle up, you get to go see them and it's, it's just an exciting time. But that's a similar idea of the good news, right? Of Jesus, the light of the world, coming into darkness. What makes the good news shine bright is that it's set against darkness. It's set against what we see as our true condition, as really as sinners. This is the good news that Jesus has come to save us from our greatest need of sin. And that's the backdrop that the shepherds have. They realize they're sinners. They are in great fear as God shows up because they understand they deserve judgment. And that's when the good news shines all the brighter to them as this glorious message. Because if Jesus is just someone who helps us manage stress or someone who just gives us some helpful wisdom for life, then we're probably not going to have great joy in Jesus. Like the thought of Jesus coming and being born as Savior, we've heard it before, we hear it every year. It's probably not going to inspire this great joy every time if that's our, our use, so to speak, for Jesus, if that's what he saves us from. But we're reminded that our, our need for Jesus goes deeper than that. That the Bible says none of us are good, no, not one. Romans 3, the Bible says that our lives are ruled by sin. Romans 6, 
And that's why there's so much evil in the world, and that's why it's so important that Jesus has come. That people can't just change and get better on their own. People can't just turn over a new leaf. Things won't get better without Jesus. And so this is the reality that the Bible reminds us of this morning, that our problem is deep and runs deep inside of us, and that it deserves the judgment of God, but God shows up not with the message of judgment first, but he shows up with the message of good news, of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that is the message, those two parts. The good news is that Jesus is Savior and Lord. So if I ever ask you, or if someone ever asks you, hey, what is the good news? What is the gospel? This is an easy way to explain it. Jesus is Savior and Lord. And this is good news. Uh, as much as we as much as we seem to use the word Savior in church settings, really the Bible doesn't use the word Savior that often. Uh, I was surprised when I typed it in to the concordance this week and saw how few times it really shows up in the Bible. But when it does show up, it, it matters. It's of importance. And so you look at the Old Testament as we think about how Jesus is Savior. And we get all these examples in the Old Testament of how God delivers the people physically from their enemies. God saved the people out of slavery in Egypt when they were conquered by other nations. God saved them from captivity and brought them back from exile. But all those examples in the Old Testament are really meant to show us what our deeper need is because they were delivered from the external circumstances. And yet we read through the Old Testament and we see that really that didn't help them all that much. They ended up in the same situation. They kept falling back into sin. They kept forsaking the Lord and breaking the covenant. And so what they needed was not just deliverance from something out there, but they needed deliverance from something inside of them. They needed to change on the inside. And that is what Jesus is. He's a savior, not just of changing things out there, saving us from circumstances, but he's a savior of sin. It would be great uh, if all our circumstances changed, right? No one would uh, be sad at that. But circumstances can change and things still aren't going to be right unless there's change on the inside. And that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to change us, to give us a new heart and make us a new creation. He is Jesus, the name given. And we're reminded that Jesus means that he will save his people from their sins. He's a savior from sin. So what does it mean that Jesus is savior? He saves us from our sins. And this is the good news, that he is coming to the world, born as a baby, and that he came to live the perfect life, to die the perfect death, to raise from the dead, so that we would not be punished for sin, so that he took our punishment for sin. And we would no longer be ruled by sin, but he saves us from the punishment of sin and the effect, the causation of sin as well in our lives, the, the taskmaster of sin. 
Jesus saves us from all of that, sin, past, present, and future. He delivers us from it. And that's the good news that Jesus is Savior. And that's a message that we have to respond to, right? It's not just good news. It's not just hopeful news. But it's only hopeful if Jesus is my Savior. Not just a Savior who is born into the world, but my Savior. And so as we hear this message of Christmas that Jesus is born, we want to be careful, even if we have believed this message, to not just go home and open presents or continue on with our uh, Christmas meal and continue on with the new year and our normal life and forget about Jesus. I don't think that's what the shepherds did, but they end up at the end of the story leaving. They go, they see Jesus, and then they leave. We need to not simply have this moment with Jesus and then leave and walk away, but our life needs to be changed. We need to actually repent, turn from our life of sin and turn to him and be saved so that he is my savior, saving me from sin. And that's good news. That is good news. And that's a message that we can share, not just, not just remember ourselves, but that we can tell other people that uh, you remember the hymn. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That is the good news of Christmas, that Jesus has come as Savior. So how can we share that message with others? How can we rejoice in it ourselves and proclaim it just as the angels did? So that's half of the good news. A lot of times we stop there. Jesus is Savior, that's the good news. But that's not all the angels' message to us. Jesus is Savior and Lord. And the fact that Jesus is Lord is proclaimed as good news. And we need to remember that this morning, that we don't just turn to Jesus as our Savior, but we must also turn to him as Lord. This is who he is. We don't have to pick and choose parts of Jesus that we accept uh, we don't get to come to him as our Savior, and later we'll make him our Lord of our life. That's not how salvation works. We accept all of Jesus, or we get none of him. And so he is both Savior and Lord, and this is good news. It's good news that he is Lord. And so, in a lot of ways, it's, uh, it's understandable that we, as Americans, just like to be kind of independent. I think it's built into our nature, and that's not a, an inherently bad thing. I think that's good in a lot of ways. But we have this mindset of individuality. We get to have the freedom to do what we want. Uh, if I want to build something on my land, or go hunt, or uh, say what's on my mind, have freedom of speech, that's my right. And we don't really have this natural appreciation for authority. I think that's just built into us from the beginning. We inherit that naturally. And that's been the case throughout America's history. And in a lot of ways, that's understandable because it's, 
it's not hard to find examples of people who have misused authority. Like, you don't have to look very far to see that, and people have recognized that throughout history. That's one of the reasons why we have the checks and balances that have been built in, because uh, the Founding Fathers understood that people were flawed and they wanted to limit that aspect of things. But God here is telling us that all authority is not inherently bad, that there is authority, and it is good, and it is Jesus. He is the ultimate authority, and we don't get to choose what to do with our life when we come to Jesus. That he becomes our master. That's really what Lord means. He's our master. He directs our life. And coming to Jesus is not uh, individual freedom in that we get to decide what we want to do, but we have been given the instructions from our Lord of what our life is supposed to be like. And sometimes we need to remember that that is good news, and we need to see it as good news against the backdrop of what used to be. So think back to the, to the Christmas lights, right? In the darkness, the Christmas lights stand out better. In authority, the Bible really teaches us the reality that we will always be under some kind of authority. Either we're going to be under the authority of sin, Romans chapter 6, or we're going to be under the authority of Jesus. And so when you put it that way, and when you lay the backdrop of darkness versus light, then you see that this is good news, that Jesus being Lord He's not a ruthless slave master like the sin that used to rule our, our life. I mean, think about sin. Sin never lets us escape. It never lets us change. We want to do what's right, but then we can't. Jesus is not the darkness and death that we experience in separation and opposition to God. Jesus is a king who brings light, Colossians 1.13. He's a king who brings fullness of life, John 1010. He's a king who brings joy, Psalm 1611. He brings love and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control, Galatians 5. And he sacrifices himself for the good of his people, for the good of his citizens, for the good of his bride, Ephesians 5. And so the reality is to be a citizen in Jesus' kingdom as him as our Lord is the best life possible. Whether we recognize it or not, Jesus is Lord. That's the reality. This message that's proclaimed by the angels is true, whether people recognize it or not. And even if we don't submit to him, he's, he is Lord of the universe. He's in control over everything and will reign forever. And since that is true then that means that he knows what we're created to do. He knows what is good for us. And so when we read the commands in the New Testament about how to live our life, what to do, what not to do, those aren't commands that are limiting our happiness and our joy. Those are things that are given by our good king to show us how to live in fullness of life in his kingdom. Those, those commands don't limit us. They actually ensure our joy and our happiness as we follow him as our Lord. That means we actually have to obey him as our Lord, but obeying him is good. 
And this is the good news. The good news that the shepherds proclaim, or that the angels proclaim to the shepherds, and then the shepherds pass on this message to those who heard and to Mary and Joseph, that, that the angels proclaim that Jesus is Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior and Lord. No one else can save us. No one else is the ruler. It is Jesus alone. And that's the message of Christmas. If you don't boil it down to it, that's it. The good news that we remember today, that there is a Savior and Lord, and His name is Jesus. May we respond to this message by drawing closer to Jesus and being filled with great joy. As the angel said, this is good news of great joy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for this message. Lord, we are thankful that this is the good news, that this is reality, that this is where joy and fullness of life is in realizing that you are Savior and Lord. God, may we realize that more and more in our lives. May that reality sink in more and more. Even today, as we thought about it this morning and as we think about it today with Christmas, we pray that we will recognize more and more how you have fully dealt with our sin, and that that will bring us joy and gratefulness, that we will recognize more and more how you are truly in control over all things, and that you are working for our good as our Lord, and that that would bring us joy and obedience and an eagerness to follow you and to obey you. And an eagerness to proclaim the good news that you are Savior and Lord and this is the good way of life that you have given to us. God, we thank you for this. We thank you that we get to remember this even this morning as we remember what you have done to save us from our sins with the Lord's Supper. We pray that you will continue to enliven our hearts, that we would rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen.